0: We have something special for you this week. It's a best of bottle talk with Rick and Paul episode. And it's because it was so good we want to be sure everyone gets a chance to hear it.
1: Right. That's our reason.
0: We really care. Plus it's a holiday week. Oh yeah, that might have had a little to do with it. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. All right. But we will be back next week with a brand new show, and that one will be special for what it's worth. <laughs> Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, I think I can smell the turkey cooking. I thought that was your cologne, Rick. That would explain the dog's following (laughs) (laughs) Well, but Thanksgiving is coming, and we're going to talk about what wine goes with Thanksgiving, Paul. Just, you know, just about most of them do. Uh, Yes, actually, it's true. But, you know, as professionals, aren't we obligated to offer professional advice? Um, Order wine that you love. And it'll probably match food from Thanksgiving. And so will we. Yes, we will. Also today, listeners ask whether wine helps digestion and about what to do with the uncle who gives way too long toasts. Plus, our historic history moment sends the way back machine to visit the pilgrims. And as usual, (laughs) we will make fun of wine stops. Okay. By the way, we are still on Capital Public Radio's podcast lineup. Recommended. Education in the education category. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of education, so Paul, you are going to be
1: uh, leading a cruise. Yes, wine cruise on Crystal Cruises down the coast of California, July of 2018 and love to have people join us because we'll drink a lot of wine, we'll eat a lot of fabulous food, and talk about wine, and we will even make fun of wine snobs. Rick, it's a pity you won't be there.
0: Well, you can make fun of me. I know well, you will. We'll, make, we'll yes. try to make fun of you. It's, it, it, I can feel it. My ears, ears are already burning. That's July 2018. <clears throat> if somebody would like to sign up or get more information, the place to go is WineCruiseGroup.com. Right. Wine Cruise Group, uh, of all of Ex- together.
1: Part of Expedia Cruise Ship Centers, but it's the Wine Cruise Group is doing this, and I've done a number of cruises with them and they are really, really good at this stuff. These are, so. these
0: are fun things, and if it sounds like we're plugging it, we are, because we, we, need, are. we need to keep Paul uh, working. And you need to get him out of here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, the, the, we're going to talk a little bit tricky here today, uh, so to speak. Uh, but let's let's start with this little tip. And uh, it's a tip that I try to give every year because it's a good tip, and it comes from a chef friend of mine in Sacramento named Danny Regal, a great chef oh, uh-huh. by the way. Okay, um, And he says when they create buffets for events, uh, you know, the, because you know you they're on a budget, even though they're trying to feed sumptuously. Right. Uh, they put all the salads first, and the turkey last, because people's plates get filled up, and they don't take too much of the more expensive uh, and more delicious yeah. turkey. So the advice from Danny and otherwise is if you know when you to that hit the Thanksgiving table, and especially yeah. if it's the group serving kind of a thing, save yourself some room for the good stuff. Yeah, but the salad stuff is the good stuff that's good for you. Yes, well, it's great. You
1: get to live to be a hundred, or at least it will seem like I'm um, eating the turkey and the mashed potatoes. <laughs> yes, or at least it will seem like that. Exactly right. No, I actually love salad, so I'm, I'm, I take Danny's point, but I generally lay off the the stuff in the middle. I'll right. take the chunk of salad, and I'll do the turkey at the end, but maybe not the sweet potatoes, yam, dressing, and all of the bread all in the middle.
0: All right. Well, if you go on the cruise <clears> with Paul, you don't have to just eat salad. You can eat any. In fact, you eat fabulously. Yeah. Yes, that yeah. is for you. That's pretty amazing. Um, all right. So uh, let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about uh, wines matching Thanksgiving food. What do you mean? Well, I know what you mean, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So, Paul, okay. what do you mean by all wines go with Thanksgiving food? Well,
1: it's just that, that you know, depending on when you serve them, they're all Perfect. So think of your normal progression of wines where you would start with something light and sparkly and then go to something bigger and richer and white and then red and then maybe even a dessert wine. All of those have a place at the Thanksgiving
0: table. Plus, if you think about what's out on the Thanksgiving table, what isn't out on the Thanksgiving table? What isn't out on that table?
1: That's right. So. Sparkling wine, absolutely goes great with uh, the the starting elements of a turkey dinner. Sure.
0: Well, let's so let's just go through uh, just okay. a, a couple of pieces because that's sure. that's exactly a great question. Is like you know for pre meal. Everybody shows up. Premium. They're in a festive mood. There might be little cheese, right. little nuts, a little yep. pate. It might be some uh, turkey running around that has not been slaughtered. Cheese's uh, no, Doritos. Yes. Yeah. So what's uh, what what what? Uh, sparkling. Well, clearly, we're, sparkling we're, is, always is starts things always off a with starter, a, right. with, a,
1: with fun and celebration. So why not? But,
0: yeah, rosé goes well there. Rosé is a really fun wine for a pre—and actually, that's a wine that will go with a lot of the foods as well. Yep. That would that would be the other recommendation. You know, of course, whatever anybody likes to drink, if somebody wants to open the cab or the rich chard, that's fine. Yep. But rosé is a really fun pre-big meal wine for the same yep. reason. kind of gets the juices flowing. And, and it's pink. And, yep, it's, and it's And it's pink. All right. It's pink. What else so, do you So want? during the meal— Yeah. So, you know— as I Now that I, I don't write a wine column well, I actually still won't, but I don't do this. I, I don't write a wine column where I had to do this anymore. But every year, I still had to pick a wine. Well, and, and the funny
1: thing is, if, if there's one question people ask you when you're out and about, it's, so what do I serve on the holidays? And they really mean Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yes. So, yeah. And so
0: aside from everything— uh, there's there's always two that work for me, and they work on the opposite, and both of them are red, although I would also argue that a big, rich Chardonnay would do it, too. As does Riesling.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, true. That's true, too. So, yeah, for the main part of the meal, I like I like Riesling. I like Chardonnay. I like lighter-style reds because they go with the food, and I like heavier-style reds. It all depends on what's on your plate. And to me, this is going to sound a little odd, but to me, the determining factor is the cranberry.
0: The- cranberry match okay because the cranberry (coughs) you've heard it here paul wagner (laughs) says when pairing wine with a meal match the cranberry well the thing is a lot of people like a sort of tart lively
1: cranberry and if you drink a swedish wine and that was not swedish from sweden that's swedish from sweet
0: lightly sweet
1: um and then you eat that cranberry it's going to peel the enamel off your teeth So in that case, you need something that is a little drier and fresher. If you're not that big a fan of the tart, lively cranberry then you can go with bigger richer wines and they will work fine and you know i'm i always like looking out on the table and seeing two or three glasses in front of me and deciding which one i go to next
0: that's how i always drink that's couple, how a couple always glasses of wine at the same time Ex- except Just, they usually yeah. sip, wreck it sip, straight sip. from the bottle it's you, usually you know, not it, with a it's glass always, it's bite sip 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 bite <laughs> sip sip sip. Yeah. And I, 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 i'd agree too uh, though I, i'd say that that there's one or two reds that that handles so many different kinds of flavors on the lighter side it's pinot noir. Yes. California style of pinot noir with yes. little richness uh, to the Burgundian then, style. Yeah, Burgundian too. too, they would both yeah. use. And yeah. then in and, uh, and the heavier style it's zinfandel. Uh-huh. Zinfandel's uh-huh. got okay. that sort of big r- robustness yeah. and sort of the lively wild flavors yeah. that seem to go with all yeah. of the food so the, And then there's the post meal dessert. Yes. And this is where it actually does change up. And okay. we we've say this a lot. Okay. So you got your pumpkin pie, you got your pumpkin pie, you, you might your have your cherry pie, pie, you got your pecan pie, you yeah, got your yeah. pumpkin you pie. You got your fruit cake that got somebody your... left
1: over from Christmas the year before yes. and they're still trying yes. to use so up.
0: You got that sweet.
1: So uh, suddenly the wine choices might be a little different. Well, drinking dry wine with dessert is not a good idea, so you gotta go to sweet wine. So that is perfect. Our, that you is, need a fourth glass.
0: Yes. That is the Rick and Paul rule of uh a dessert or sweetness, is that you with sweet stuff, your wine needs to be sweeter. And the reason is <laughs> even whether you know it or not that there is some acid in, in all wines. A lot of acid. Yeah. And you know you might not even notice it, but, and we will you know bring up our orange juice metaphor again. You don't notice that orange juice has acid in it until you've brushed your teeth before your glass of orange juice. Right. And then you go, wow, why is that so sour? So right. that's what the sweetness in dessert does. It turns yep. your wine into orange juice. Yep. But I would say that
1: anything sold as a dessert wine, Tawny Port, Ruby Port, Colheita Port, Vintage Port, any port, uh, Cream Sherry, uh, Sauterne, uh, ice wine. Yeah. And, all... and those late harvest whites. And you know whites. what? Yeah. What's fun about serving dessert wine at a dinner party is there is a sizable percentage of the wine-drinking population in America that will tell you they don't like sweet wines. Serve them a delicious dessert wine at the end of a meal and go around afterwards and see how many of them left some wine in their glass. Yeah, yeah. Those glasses will be bone dry because nope. they nope. may not like dessert wine, but they'll finish that wine with... Yeah.
0: You know, I, with gusto, in, in in most cases, I would agree with you. I happen to know one very important person uh, who does not like dessert wines, even oh. with dessert. Well, she clearly has no taste. Well, she married badly. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll leave you. We in the knew where line. that was going. So, uh, <clears throat> and uh, and one last bit of advice uh, involving wine. This is to uh, none, not, of course, to our listeners, because nobody would be this way. But is don't. Of, Don't be a snob. Don't be a snob. I mean, you should never be a snob, but if there's ever a time to not be a snob, it's Thanksgiving. That's right. Your job is to make everybody in your home feel really happy. Yes. It's a gathering of friends and family, and if you've got enough family there, God knows there's enough strife already. You don't need snobbiness. Do I sound bitter? (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, speaking of bitter, time to take a few questions. Cool. We do have one, actually, that involves – a, that's a good question. Uh, but anyway, if you'd like to ask us a question, as you've probably heard if you've ever listened to the show before, go to our website, rickandpaulwine.com. All one word, Rick and Paul Wine. You can subscribe for free with a little click on iTunes as well. In fact, subscribe and don't listen. We don't mind because you still count. <laughs> you still count. All right.
1: Yeah, uh, just wear earplugs and you'll be fine. Yes,
0: uh, and this is this one is from Melinda, and this is going to take a bit of a time to answer, but I love this question. So she says, first I want. Plus, we know we like Melinda, and you're going to see hear why in just a second. First, cool. I want to say, as we get close to Thanksgiving, we thought about giving thanks for your podcast, but then we thought, nah. I mean, there are, <laughs> there are a lot more important things out there, don't you think? <laughs> oh yes,
1: we agree with you, Melinda. But yeah,
0: we're already with you, Melinda. So she says, here's my question. Have an uncle who always insists on giving a toast—a really long, boring, self-important toast, no matter what house we're at for Thanksgiving. Do you ha- have any rules for toasts, and any suggestions what to do with him? Well, I have rules for toasts. Yeah, the first rule for guidelines. Because first
1: rule for toasts is short and sweet.
0: Yes, yes. Short and yes, sweet. Yes, yes. Short is always, you know, and, and really speaking in public, the shorter, the better. Our, our podcast notwithstanding. Our, the, ever, the greatest <laughs> advice
1: any performer ever gave any other performer is leave them hoping for more.
0: That's right. Uh, so, But the, the basically, I, I want to call them guidelines only because toasts are supposed to be about appreciation. So they right. really should be you showing appreciation. Right. But at Thanksgiving in particular, there's another thing, which is that the host or hostess, they give the toast. They yes. Go, they
1: Although – Oftentimes, you'll have a guest who will give the first toast, who will say, "I want
0: to toast right. the, the host, host and, the hostess. and hostess for hosting us." And fair enough, that's a good, toast. always a good point. And that time, that's really all you're doing. But yes. and 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 it's still even best to let them go first, and then you say, "And thank you, Bill and Timmy, or whoever." Yes. Um. And uh, yes. So and and if sex, and if you are giving that second boy, you are really short. Yeah. Um. And and if you no. are the host or hostess giving a toast. Um remember, it's, it, don't talk about your summer vacation and how it was a great year with the, <laughs> the kids during soccer. Here's the thing
1: is, well. You're toasting. Nobody can
0: eat. They're, they're all supposed yeah. to stop and listen. Yeah. So the longer you talk, the angrier they are at it, you. Yes, yes. And uh, it's all really about make, trying to make people feel nice and warm and toasty, so to speak. The other well, thing is, uh, and this is really good for any toast any time of year. Lose all of those you know, Irish bar toasts, uh, wind yes. rising to meet your feet with the. May you live for a thousand years yes. and may
1: the last voice you hear be my. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. None of those. The last thing you hear yes. is my voice uh, in your ears. Yeah. And,
0: and then here's the important stuff Don't keep your legs or feet crossed because it's bad luck. You're supposed to have bad sex for a year. Yes. So well, you would know. Oh, uh, well, I don't keep anything <laughs> crossed. Uh, sorry. Uh, so, and then as for Miranda's uncle. Well, the, 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 yeah. I, I have an idea. Okay, you have an idea. Good. Here's my idea. After he gives this long toast, yeah. Miranda, you stand up and you say, and I would like to just give thanks to for Uncle So-and-So finally finishing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That'll go over well. That'll go over well. That'll be a good point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it is a problem when you get in these situations and sometimes somebody wants to uh, toast every single person at the table. You know, and you got 16 people at the table, and I want to tell you a yeah. toast to this one, and this one, so nobody feels left out. You know what? The simple way to do that, just say everybody. Yep. Say everybody, everybody. and you're done. Yep. Um, there was a wonderful rule in Victorian times, which was that you could never offer a toast to your wife. Because then everybody had to follow. Because then every right. single other person right. at the table had to offer a toast to their wife,
0: and you were there all night long. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. You're supposed uh, to be eating. Yes, I say toast the turkey and move on. Well, and and uh, I mean in seriously, it's the kind of thing talk to him after or before mm, and, and good you luck. say no and you say this, you say uh, uncle so and so. So, I understand you're very gracious and a wise man, but you know uh, a cousin who pick a cousin you like less <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't like those long toasts. Mm. Gets fidgety. Blame the the problem uncle. is Uncle Uncle. No, no, get a fight with a cousin and then you got no, he, no. But
1: he, Uncle Larry, Uncle Larry is always thinking that it's really important for him to do this because if he doesn't do it, nobody would do it, and he thinks it's really important, and it's. Yeah. This is not a wine question. This is a family question, mm-hmm. and the solution is don't invite Uncle Eric. Yeah, every or
0: else day. you have a rule, no toasts. No toasts. Yes. Or a timer. Yeah, no toasts. I like it. This year, we're not doing toasts. We Time. just want to say thank you, everybody. All right, and this one, next one's from Chris Inry. <laughs> uh, Chris says, you guys always have these odd studies. And you, Rick. Not More, you guys. Yeah. You, so- Sorry, Chris. I'm. I'm. Yeah. Paul doesn't want to take responsibility for this. <laughs> I happen to think they're brilliant. <laughs> he says uh, anything on wine and digestion. And so I went back to my list of studies, and yes, as you it did. turns out, I have a couple. I have a couple. In 2008, German researchers saw, said that wine and beer help speed through food through the digestive tract, and help stimulate the acid that digests food. And did you read this in the original German, or was it translated? Well, I had. It was actually an ancient uh, script. <laughs> The, was Aramaic yes. was translated. Into it. Yes, um, good. Yes, and then there's the 2012 study in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition that said, the, which is your regular nighttime reading. I do. It is. It's. Um, I. I. I love clinical nutrition. Anything clinical is good <laughs> yes. for you, right? Um, and this says moderately. This is really more an overall than a Thanksgiving Day kind of a thing. But moderate daily red wine helps increase the amount of good bacteria in your intestines. That's good to know. So I think think that that we have another glass right now. You got a couple days for Thanksgiving, I think, folks. It's moderate daily red wine to get started so you're ready for Thanksgiving. That's right. Excellent plan. All right. That's for questions for now. Up next, our Wayback Machine is going to be visiting the Pilgrims. It's time for some history. Hey, boys. You know, I think they played at the original Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet they, they didn't. They're, 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 in, <laughs> they're too good. <laughs> well, that's probably <laughs> pretty true. pretty much amateurs Probably back true. Then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. All right, Paul, so your history moment. Well, I always think it's wonderful to
1: realize why the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock. Because, in fact, they were headed further down the coast. They wanted to get to a warmer climate where it was easier to make a living. But the ship... Um, the ship and its crew had only one beverage on board that was safe to drink. The water had all spoiled and was hideous, and they ran out of beer. Yep. That's... They ran out of beer and landed at Plymouth Rock because they ran out of beer, yeah, those, which is kind of those... like you driving to the Grand Canyon, Rick, and right. making oh, yeah, it as far as Bakersfield. You know, as soon as I ran
0: out of beer, I stopped and get more, right, <laughs> and get back on the road. That's <laughs> yeah, true. You yes. know, it is the thing in uh, – Pre Louis Pasteur microbiology understanding how to keep wine, uh, wine how to keep water um, safe safe was alcohol was what people traveled with and it was yeah. often low low alcohol beer or or wine. Yep. And, and, so and,
1: yeah. we we owe the tradition of the Plymouth Rock and even the fact that they celebrated some sort of dinner with the local
0: Native American population to the fact that they ran out of beer. Yep, there you go. Where would, we would have been an entirely different country if it only had more beer. <laughs> right, so this is a little bit about that actual feast. And the, sort that, of the, the key point at, in 1621 yes. um, was that there was no turkey. There was no turkey. There was no turkey. Um, and it was also mostly a guys-only event. As were most dinners in those yeah, days. so the English women uh, were doing the cooking and the cleaning. and, uh, and yeah. But so from what we can— Pieced together, the Native Americans brought deer, so they had venison. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. English brought ducks and geese. They did have pumpkins and squash. That grew there, but they didn't make pie. Right. Um, and they also had all a lot of the easy-to-gather food, you know, the corn and the roots. But they had the other easy-to-gather food, which yes. are things like lobster In fact, and the early
1: pilgrims got so sick— of eating lobster all the time, that they would treasure almost anything so they wouldn't have to have another one of those god-awful lobster dinners. It's terrible. See, um...
0: And, uh, hot, it's it's amazing.
1: Yeah, um, I feel the same way. Yes,
0: yeah. You know, well that's it. We we when our caterers bring lobster in for lunch, we and, just you say know, not lobster it's just not again. The same, I'm telling you. <laughs> so and by the way, you know, Thanksgiving and, and and Turkey are not we're not huge in America, Turkey in particular. But thanks right. even Thanksgiving until the 1800s, right. middle 1800s. Right. Um, it was Lincoln made it a national holiday in 1863, and Turkey didn't work, work its way in until the mid 1800s too. And there were a handful of of, of people that uh, agitated for it one name in particular Sarah Josepha Hale who wrote the book uh-huh. Goody's lady book like goody's Ladies" book uh-huh. she uh-huh. campaigned for national Thanksgiving and also wrote about uh, turkey and um, and turkey started to show up and, and one of the reasons why Turkey became especially you think about what the culture was back then mm. Turkey became the thing that they could raise one bird could feed a lot of people. Um, You know, back then... uh,
1: But it wouldn't feed 200 people, so... When you had a dinner for 12, you couldn't necessarily—I mean, in, you read the Bible, well, it's time to kill the cow. Right. I'm sorry. A cow feeds way more than the 12 people you got coming for Thanksgiving dinner. So. Well,
0: and, and uh, in the even in the 1800s, uh, there wasn't a giant commercial beef. Uh, right. Uh, so you, it was your cow, which often might have been for milk <laughs> or for something else. Right. And chickens were for eggs, and roosters were too tough to eat. In, you know, and well, so turkeys fair, were the thing. Turkeys were pretty tough, too. Yeah. But what the heck? It's what you had. Yeah. Uh, that's true And if anybody's You know wild turkeys I have on occasion Had wild turkey Those are very tough Not the, not the drink The turkey itself Right, um, right. So People actually call you a turkey they, right? Well more than once they, And they do call me wild too You know <laughs> All right Well speaking of wild We're going to take a couple more questions While we have Excellent. some time Excellent um, This one actually I'm repurposing From an earlier Thanksgiving show But I do like the question hmm. And it's a really simple one Which is Where's that funny French wine And everybody races around Our friend ah, brought yes. Some to Thanksgiving uh, Last year And I pretended to like it, but it kind of tasted like grape juice. (laughs) Ah, She is, of course, speaking of? Beaujolais Nouveau. Beaujolais Nouveau. That's That's right. right.
1: The new wine of the vintage. And it was a huge marketing deal in France um, back in the right after World War II. Uh, Everyone raced to see who could get the first freshly fermented grape juice to Paris to celebrate things. And actually, they eventually then decided that, well, there had to be a deadline because people were bringing up. Literally, well, it might still be for many, but in the in the fifties, it was a wonderful story. People would fly it up in airplanes and race on motorcycles, and everyone would want to be the first person to get Beaujolais right. nouveau into racing, Paris.
0: racing to Paris. And the date was all. <laughs> they, they, when they set a date, the date was November fifteenth. Right. That's what they aimed for. But after a while, they figured out that they needed to make it a drinking night, so uh-huh. so it became the third Thursday. The oh, yeah. Thursday okay. before Thanksgiving, yeah. Um, yeah, and it was you know a brilliant bit of marketing, and you see those waiter races and oh yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, but the and wine... every
1: winery had its own special vehicle that it was going to race the wine yes. to Paris with. It was pretty fun um, stuff, and it
0: is it is kind of great because it's so new and it hasn't um, it, it sort of hasn't grown up yet. Um, it's it's sort of it's fun, but you know, it, yeah. it wouldn't be my choice of, of.
1: I wonder if the French haven't made a movie like Smokey and the Bandit. Were where would, they, they where racing? The they're racing their and driving Nouveau. them off the that's road. Right. And, that's right. And know. one
0: guy's on the airplane and the little uh, old being chased you know. by the big fat gendarme <laughs> <laughs> smoking a cigar. You know. <laughs> so that, that's what, what that is Beaujolais Nouveau. All right. Beaujolais and then, Nouveau. And this is from Julie in Livingston, which is down in the Central Valley. Yep. Um, yep. She says, I have this real mishmash of wine glasses. Does mm-hmm. it matter if the people coming over don't get the same glass? And what can I tell my idiot brother who always whines about it?
1: Okay. So So, uh, first of all, it doesn't matter. And, in fact, Rick, do you have 12 glasses of the same type? Yes, I do. Do you?
0: Yeah, but they're they're cheap restaurant glasses that I got years ago. Okay. And I also have another set that I use for events. Because I know tons of people in the wine industry. It isn't normal. And
1: nobody has 12 glasses of the same kind. Everybody has a mixed match.
0: If it wasn't for what I used to do, I wouldn't either.
1: Yes. And so, first of all, nobody has that many glasses, and it's okay to mix and match. And, in fact, I think it's kind of helpful to have a glass that's a different shape than other people so I can remember that not to drink out of the one that Rick slobbered all over.
0: Well, yeah, and be careful because I just take whatever's close to me and drink <laughs> you it. You do yes. indeed. So, and, Julie, here's my suggestion, by the way, for your uh, idiot brother. Tell him to bring his own. Nope. Give him a coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, idiot brother, nice. you're gonna complain. You're drinking out of the cup that says "World's Worst Brother." Or <laughs> but she, it, it, she could actually get a special glass just for him. Yes, that would be funny. Yeah, so. it, it's you know, of course it's not. It's no big deal. You know the it, and I mean if it if you somebody was having a big event and really wanted that. It's actually cheaper to rent them, too. They're like a buck a glass.
1: In fact, I have a dear friend for her wedding who went to the local thrift shop over the course of three months and just bought all the odds and ends of wine glasses for three or four months. Used them for her wedding guests. It was wonderful because everybody had their own glass. You could tell which one it was because yours was the one that had the local bank name or the local whatever it was. And at the end of it all, you know what she did? She took 75 glasses back to Goodwill, made a charitable donation. There you and go. walked out. Very nice. Pretty nice deal. Nice move.
0: You know, and when I, when I go to those kind of events where there's all these different glasses, I yeah. always just go for the biggest one. The biggest yep. one. Yep. Yeah. Because yep. that way people won't know that I've put, poured an entire well, bottle. Well, and your slobber
1: they're... smears more evenly over a big That's glass. true.
0: Yeah. Actually, that is very true. Uh, Um, I say, but coffee cut for the idiot Coffee cut for
1: the brother is a great solution. Okay. Well, that is it for another round of
0: brilliant advice from Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer is Matt Passini. Thank Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for including us on their podcast. Their recommended educational podcast. And and don't forget WineCruiseGroup.com. If you want to cruise with Paul, we should actually put this on our website, don't you think? We should. We will put that on our website. So you can find us at either place. And if you learned anything today at all, we hope it's at Thanksgiving. Gaming is a time for acceptance, especially of all wines. Acceptance of all wines. All wines. But not wine snob, Paul. Not wine snobs. And we want to say thank you for listening. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially us.